0: Hey, Scott. Yes, Adam? Does this look like a real Oscar statue? No, it's a shampoo bottle. Oh. Okay.
1: Coming to you almost live from behind the Hollywood sign, this is The Unknown Studio. I'm Scott. I'm Adam. And we are your hosts. And it's a very special time of the year, ladies and gentlemen, because... It's, it's one of my favorite times of the year, sir. Yeah, it
0: is. It is. You get very excited this time of
1: year. Almost as excited as Christmas,
0: really. This is Christmas 2. Basically. Uh, we, can we call it Christmas the Lesser?
1: How about Christmas 2 Electric Boogaloo? Ooh, I like that.
0: <laughs> uh, yes, because the reason that Scott is excited... Well, Scott, why don't you tell them?
1: it's oscar season yay i like movies
0: yes and we've got a couple of guests in the studio with us who also like movies very much so and i think we're going to talk about movies and perhaps we'll make fun of celebrities in the way they dress as well almost certainly that's what i want to do okay so joining us in the studio today i have to my left miss ashley weeb ashley thanks for joining us
2: thank you for having me
0: and sitting to ashley's left is mr gregory h beaver Uh Hello. what does the h stand for H? Yeah, I just made it up. But it's got to stand for something. Uh, So if I'm going to make it up, you get to decide what it stands for. uh, Howard? Howard. (laughs) I was expecting him to say Hollywood. We could call him G-Ho. Oh, that would have been awesome.
1: Uh, We're still going to
0: call you G-Ho. Now,
1: before we begin, I will point out, Ashley was supposed to be on our last Oscar show. A year ago, this very day. But circumstances conspired against her being able to join us. So she was very adamant that she join us for our second Oscar show. And here she is. Not rain, nor sleet, nor snow could stop her from being here.
2: Actually, sleep, but...
1: Sleep would have <laughs> yes. prevented her from being here. But she fortunately awoke in time to be on the show.
0: So, uh, so what was the reason you couldn't
1: be on last time?
2: Um, there was an issue. <laughs> it was my mom's birthday. Ugh. and uh,
1: Which technically it is again today.
2: Uh, no, it's not. It was her birthday a couple weeks ago. But they were
1: going to celebrate her birthday.
2: Yes. And so I was at her birthday party and I got a message from Scott going, Where are you? (laughs) And me going, What do you mean? Where am I? (laughs) And that's what happened.
0: And Greg wasn't here last year because we didn't know him then. No. Which is really our loss, let's be honest. I I agreed. My life has been enriched by Jiho. I'm (laughs) so glad. That he was able to make it onto our show today. <laughs> uh, uh, we're
1: already starting off in a strange place. Let's see where this goes.
0: Well, uh, where do you want to start? Because we've got the, the full nomination list before us, but I see no reason to go th- and look at, uh, well, we w- say... We
1: won't rush into our, our Oscar picks right away, I don't think. We should, we should talk about some preamble well, before we get isn't into it. not that what we're doing? Stuff. We're preambling right now. Yeah, but let's preamble on topic. All right. I know Ashley was brought in today because she's an expert on celebrity culture because they don't live the same lives that we live. And Ashley understands.
2: I do. I'm a bit of a celebrity myself, so I totally understand (laughs) where they're coming from.
0: And where are they coming from?
2: Uh, There's a lot of places they're coming (laughs) from. (laughs) Crazy places. A lot of holes they're crawling out of these (laughs) days, it seems.
1: If you turn over a rock, sometimes you'll see like a Tom Cruise scuttle away. That would be terrifying. <laughs> it would actually be terrifying. <laughs> he's a monster. I don't like
2: Tom Cruise. No, no. He's ever since Days of Thunder and, and that. He was fine then and now he's just a little bit too... I actually,
0: th- th- think he thinks he's an actual fighter pilot. Probably. When, when do you think he actually jumped the shark? Because he has. Can we all agree that I think he may have literally jumped a shark. it's well, possible. he might have. Does anyone know when I would when think Tom that Cruise? it would be
3: uh, either the first or second
0: Mission Impossible...
1: That's really when, when, his, hate him. Really? That's when yeah. his crazy really started to become Probably widespread and well-known, was around the Mission Impossible. Is
0: that what ruined him, was the, the couch-jumping episode on Oprah where he demonstrated just how sort of OCD I think he was? that was more
3: or less just a, a signal to everyone that it was kind of like a big flag. Like, hey, I'm Tom Cruise and I'm crazy now. <laughs> Check me out, I'm jumping on a couch.
2: <laughs> I think a lot of it has to do with Nicole Kidman leaving him because she just had enough of the crazy. And she kind of kept him stable, and then she left, and he completely lost it.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. Although, every time I see Nicole Kidman, she looks like she's coming down from
1: something. Probably she's coming down from Tom Cruise. (laughs) Maybe.
0: years, decades, even.
1: Uh, And he really doesn't have that, uh, let's say, grounding force in his life anymore. Because Katie Holmes is not capable of grounding, grounding Tom Cruise. Yeah.
2: Oh. And every time you see her, she looks so sad and depressed and yeah. upset. It's just like... I was
1: going to say stoned. Like, was, like not kind, unlike of, Nicole kind of zombie-esque, not really focusing on anything.
2: He probably keeps her on some sort of drugs to, use, so she doesn't run away. <laughs> that
1: may be slander, <laughs> I'm just going to point
2: <laughs> out. <laughs>
0: we're, we're only speculating here. Uh, speculating in a joking manner. Please and, don't sue and And their us.
2: alien child. Have you seen her?
0: No, or uh, the future Surrey ruler Cruise? of the world.
2: Oh, she really? Mm.
1: What? What? What's? Well, weird she about is her? Scientology Jesus, isn't she?
2: she? well, she she's supposedly the child of. Supposedly, Tom Cruise Tom Cruise's genes are not what's making this girl. It was what whoever the leader of Scientology is. Dude. L.
1: Ron Hubbard
2: implanted Katie Holmes, and uh. and this is where Suri Cruise came from. But she thinks she's four or five. She wears high heels, and Th- she carries around Starbucks coffee. It's just like. What are you? What? Is well, this
3: a of real thing that that people think that she's some sort of immaculate child of Scientology? I feel like
0: yes. I feel like someone's playing a terrible joke on all of us right now. I really do. I really do. I, yeah,
1: I feel his name is Elron Hubbard. I think somebody played a terrible joke on Katie Holmes, and that was Tom Cruise. Yeah, I don't know what he did to her to get her to marry him. Probably
0: drugged her.
2: Well, it's like Kelly Preston, who's married to John Travolta, who is supposedly actually gay. And uh, because in Scientology, that's not allowed. So a lot of these men who believe in Scientology, Tom Cruise, John Travolta, have wives. Just have wives.
1: That seems crazy to me. They have beards, if you will.
0: How, wait a minute. Is, is this common beautiful, knowledge? Beautiful, beautiful beard.
1: Yes,
2: this... this is totally common knowledge. Yeah, really. It's been speculated on for years.
1: It's been speculated on for a very long Speaking time. Speaking
0: of crawling out from under a rock, apparently that's where I've been the last howl of mine out there. You just don't follow up on the
1: celebrity culture. I don't, and I, don't. I talk to Ashley enough that I learned these
0: things
2: because <laughs> I don't have a life.
0: Here's a question for you about Tom Cruise. Forget about all the personal bullshit that he's got going on. Is it possible for him to? reignite his career by becoming a Shatner-esque parody of himself because that's the only that's the only out I can see for him I don't
3: think he's capable of that no I think he's I think he's just a little too crazy I think he's kind of reached that level of crazy
1: celebrity that there's no going back I also think that he takes himself maybe a little too seriously I mean Tropic Thunder aside I, I think that he considers himself to be a little too serious for that. And I think his handlers want him to continue to live with that delusion.
0: Well,
3: I heard stories about uh on the set of um oh
0: what was H. D. Wells movie. Oh, uh the the one with the monsters that came out of the ground? I know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> I watched it very recently. Yeah, but I heard
3: War I of I the
1: Worlds. War of the Worlds. There definitely.
0: you go. Yeah,
3: War of the Worlds, thank you. Um I've heard stories about on set that, you know. No one was allowed to look at him in the eyes and stuff like that. Uh, and he had, like, he had a Scientology tent set up and every, everything, so he was giving,
0: supposedly giving Scientology sermons on set. I, for the first time, don't know what to say. That seems ridiculous to me.
2: See, I, I heard something a while ago. I think they were talking about Katie Holmes, and uh, they said that the people that surround Tom Cruise keep him in this bubble and they let him believe what is his reality. They don't. They don't think he thinks he's crazy or he's wrong or he's weird and what he's doing is strange because he lives in this bubble that the people around him have created.
1: Changing the subject without segue. (laughs) Uh, Ashley had some juicy celebrity gossip she wanted to drop on our show.
2: I always have good celebrity gossip, but this time it's a little more Oscar focused. And today I was reading an article that um, could definitely change the outcome of the Oscars. What? Simply because um, the article was about the king's speech, which is about, obviously, the King George who had a stutter and trying to fix it when he became king. Now, <coughs> I was uh, reading this article today that there's been an email circling around to about the 6,000 academy members that the king was anti-Semitic, <laughs> which in Hollywood, generally, they support the Jews. They're sure. not against the Jews. And... Um, Basically, what these 6,000 members are being told is don't vote for the king's speech because he didn't like them. And he wanted them to all stay in Germany and basically be killed. Now, I'm going to point out... He
0: declared war on Germany, though. I'm going to point out as
2: well that... Well, uh, no, technically he didn't. It was... Britain joined the war, but he was not technically the person that...
1: A man won Best Supporting (sighs) Actor Oscar last year for playing a Nazi. I'm just going to point that out. Okay. So... I don't think the fact that King George was anti-Semitic possibly Possibly. should affect whether or not the movie was good and whether or not Colin Firth portrayed him well. Because I doubt that the filmmakers and that Colin Firth are anti-Semitic.
2: Well, and because the other interesting point is George became king after his brother abdicated the throne and um, basically was exiled for a little while. But it's a well-known fact that Edward and his wife, uh, Wallace Simpson, we were good friends with Adolf Hitler and visited Nazi Germany quite a bit, so there's a lot of anti-Semitism supposedly in that part of the monarchy. Um, on the other hand, the person who produced the movie was Harvey Weinstein, who is Jewish, and uh, Colin Firth is very anti-monarchy. He's British, very anti-monarchy, so that might change things.
4: All right,
0: all that aside, who among you has seen The King's Speech? No. No. Yes. I thought it was phenomenal. Yes. I don't care if King George was a Nazi, a Nazi, not a Nazi sympathizer, but a Jew hater. Uh I think that that one is definitely worthy of being on the list and it sucks that that something political like that might screw it all up. We should also point out that that I mean, you know, his
3: that, that king's time was it's a it's a different time and he was probably also a huge racist too. I mean, probably, you know, he, he probably didn't like think much of black people or asian people or were
2: there was. that many though in England in that time? Though, I'm All I'm saying
3: that. is, like, I mean, he, you know, he probably, w- he probably, w- he probably would have been a-, a racist as well as were many
0: white people at the time. Though. And to be fair, the British hate the French just as much.
1: <laughs> the British and the French used to go to war at the drop of a hat. Yeah, it was for literally hundreds of years at a time. So,
0: so. Do you think, Ashley, based on this information, I mean, who knows what's going to win best picture? But do you think that there's absolutely zero chance the King's Speech will get it now?
2: Oh, I don't think there's zero chance. I think this email has gone around a little bit too late. I'd hope that everybody has their picks already made. Mm hmm. But.
1: Well, because it needs to be sent over to that. Ernst and Young? Sure. Oh, yeah, they always have someone vet it or, or guard yeah. it, don't they? Yeah.
2: It's usually handcuffed to their wrist. It's a I big
1: deal. Actually, the reason they do that is because um, I can't recall the exact year and I I don't feel like looking it up right now, but uh, uh, there was one year many decades back when the Oscars were totally spoiled because the results were not kept as guarded a secret. And uh, a newspaper reporter was able to get his hands on the results and published them the day before the Oscars. These are the people who are going to win the Oscars. So all of the people who were go- not going to win didn't bother showing up. And the Academy was like, well, that ruins our party. We're never going to let that happen again. So Is that guy a dick for doing that the day before the Oscars? Yes. Kind yeah. of. <laughs> a little bit. Can we not? Can, yeah, he's a dick. It was a different time. Fuck that guy! <laughs>
3: I think that he was doing his job. I would he's agree. A, he's a journalist. He was. He was. He had the
0: scoop. Who wouldn't do that? Where I, I would.
1: I would agree with both of you. He was doing his job, but that doesn't make him any less of a dick for doing it.
0: <laughs> Unless it states explicitly in his job description that it is his role to ruin fun, <laughs> then, I, then I don't think he was doing his job. What an asshole!
4: <laughs> Back well, it wasn't King's like he
3: was Speech. like publishing like every ending to every movie, and it was like, I got the scoop on this movie I <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> saw <it> last night. <laughs> <laughs> all right, yeah, all
2: right
0: back, to, back to the King's Speech.
2: Oh, you were just uh, asking if I think that that's going to ruin its chances of winning. I was reading online also today that the King's Speech has the best odds ever to win Best Picture.
0: How do they calculate those odds? I don't know. Hmm.
2: It's a lot of people in Las Vegas, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah, analysts.
3: Low I personally charts. think that there's zero chance that... The King's Speech doesn't win.
0: You think it's going to win?
3: I I don't think there's any question about it. I think I mean it's already it's already it's won a BAFTA right already, and it's it's winning awards already. Uh, I think it's about the monarchs, and it's got a disability in it. That's <laughs> Oscar gold right there. Well, and the
1: and the big question before the Oscars was uh, they figured it was going to be the two horse race between that and Social Network, which got a lot of buzz when it first came out, and fine film but the uh the question was whether or not a kind of a hip young current events movie about you know facebook could win the oscar against what is obvious oscar bait in the king's speech uh with you know just a star-studded cast and a phenomenal script damn those people for making such a fine film that (laughs) would obviously garner awards uh but which one of those two could could get the edge and uh those people have since recanted and said, no, we said it was going to be a two-horse race, and uh, yeah, the social network doesn't stand a chance. So,
5: hmm.
2: Well, we could always have another year like we had with Crash. I don't think there was anybody that was quite pleased that that movie won. Be- that It should not have won best, uh, best Picture.
0: Yeah, I recall that being a, a bit of an issue. Um, but I hate it when people say the phrase Oscar bait yes a good film an excellently made film an exquisite film is absolutely oscar bait but just because it takes place in the past in uh like it's a period piece and because people have accents the assumption is well come on i mean alien 3 had accents all right they they all had like australian accents and shit and that fucking movie, and it didn't was a win. period piece <laughs> yeah. set in, For, the future. in the future. Yeah.
4: <laughs> so, so don't tell me, don't tell me, Oscar Bates.
1: And I think there was a person with a mental disability in that film as well.
0: Yes, he had a, an IQ of 85 or something.
1: Like there you go. So it had all of the classic tropes that you need and to win an Oscar. David Fincher. And it won exactly nothing, I believe, Uh, because it it was a terrible
0: movie. (laughs) In fact, actually, the special effects in that movie were were shitty.
1: Yeah, it was not a good, not even not a good alien movie. It was not a good movie. Yeah, no. No. Sorry, digressions are... No, that's fine. I was
2: thinking, I was reading an article about the uh, um, movies that never should have won Oscars, and Rocky came up, and that accents set in the past, (laughs) mental disabilities, I think.
0: (laughs) 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 Totally. You're exactly right. Well, now we know who Greg thinks is going to win Best Motion Picture. I'm not sure. I mean, I've seen three of them. I, I have no clue, really.
3: If, I think if I was going to pick a movie that, that hit me the most emotionally, it would be
1: Toy Story 3. Really? It, I think so. Like, I cried like a baby in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> now, Here's the surprising thing. Toy Story 3 is probably the, the odds-on favorite to win. Best Animated Feature. It's a Pixar movie, and they win, generally, so that's, that's already there. It's the only one of the three nominees in that category that was also nominated for Best Picture, which sets it arguably above the other two. Sorry, guys. But here's the surprising thing. The Annie Awards were just a few weeks ago. Those are the big animation awards. And How to Train Your Dragon swept that and beat Toy Story 3 for Best Animated Feature in the animation community said this was a better movie so wow i was quite surprised actually and uh, that made me start to second guess like well I don't know, maybe maybe somebody knows something i don't
3: well, i do think that toy story 3 is a stronger film of those two i really like how How to Train your dragon but uh i think toy story 3 has uh something that how to train your dragon doesn't which is uh, the ability
0: to make Greg cry? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but there was also something in, in in
3: it being the third film of those of that trilogy, where um, you had been with all these characters, like the toys or whatever, and you kind of grew to know them know them quite well. And then you get to the the point at the end of the movie uh, where they're all in this you know mass of peril that you've never sort of you know they're in basically all, all the toys are going to get burned alive or whatever. Spoiler alert. Yeah. yeah. Good thing I haven't seen it. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. But I mean that was that. to me that I think that's what made that that scene work so well and overall makes the the movie work so well is that it, it sort of put the characters in a danger that you'd never sort of seen them before and you had all that you know sort of the two movies of backstory to sort of go there up
1: There was also um, kind of a I suppose a theme like as you say we kind of grew up with these characters much the way that Andy had grown up with these characters. And it's kind of the story of him <coughs> learning to pass them on to someone new and and get on with his life as it were. And in a way, we the audience do that at the end of the film as well because this is the last time we're going to see those characters. Yes. And
0: great meta narrative actually. Uh, yeah. I, I hadn't really thought about that. I I do I did love How to Train Your Dragon. I thought it was surprisingly fantastic. I just wasn't I don't know what I was expecting out of it, I guess. But, um, yeah, Toy Story. I think Toy Story 3 will win animated feature film. Ties a bow on the series very nicely.
1: Back to uh, Best Picture. Right. Um, I basically, I I think I flat out said that uh, there are five movies up for Best Director. Those five movies are also up for Best Picture. The other five movies might as well not show up because they're not going to win. Who wins Best Director wins Best Picture. That's the way it goes. So you think Inception has no chance. Correct.
4: Hmm.
1: Which is a shame. And there was a lot of, as Ashley can no doubt attest, there was a lot of people who were saying that, uh, that Nolan got kind of snubbed by the Oscars for not getting nominated as a director.
2: Yes. And... I don't I was hearing bits and pieces. I don't really know what the whole story is, but a lot of people are blaming Steven Spielberg on that. I don't know if there's some sort of beef between him and Nolan and that's what caused it because Spielberg is the Oscars golden child. He is, you know, Steven Spielberg. Yeah. And if he doesn't like someone, then you're pretty much screwed. Wow.
0: He's a powerful man. I Even did though not he know made that. AI. Someone explain that one to me. You can be a powerful man and still make a shitty movie. I
2: right? like Jude Law. That's the only <laughs> reason I watched the movie.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, that's fair enough. Everyone likes Jude Law. and if they Except don't, Except for Sienna do. Miller. Anyways, yeah, well, that's that's another issue.
1: I liked Jude Law and Sherlock Holmes too much. Just was was putting that movie. out there. Had a bit of a man crush Did on you? him after that. Not on Robert the Downey? Uh, on them both, really. They were both quite handsome. And rugged in that movie, well, in a manly way.
2: I <coughs> like them in Iron Man. <laughs> yeah. Because, well, Jude Law's a robot, and that's hot. He has a great voice <sighs> and the, the accent, and and his robot was quite funny.
4: Hmm. And then there's Gigolo Robert. Joe.
2: Yeah. Then there's Robert Downey Jr. Who just. Yeah.
6: <laughs> I love Robert Downey.
2: Jr. <laughs> yeah. And then you make him into a superhero. My favorite line from any any movie is, "I am Iron Man."
0: I would do. Whatever he told me to. If he was in the room right now and he was like, take off your pants, I wouldn't even ask why. I'd be like, yes, sir, Robert Downey Jr. Mostly (laughs) because (laughs) he
1: just wants to steal your pants. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah. But But wait,
1: you're not wearing it either, are you?
2: (laughs) He was great at the Golden Globes with his little intro intro there talking about all the the best actress nominees. Yeah. It's funny
0: how they got him to play Tony Stark because he's Tony Stark. Basically. Like, he was the ideal... uh,
1: actor for that role he's aware of his past and he's not ashamed of yeah. it he's really, a playboy just like tony stark it, like he's moved beyond it but he's like i'm not gonna hide the fact that i did all this crap yeah yeah do you think the same thing will happen to charlie shane I, I hope so because he will die <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> i don't know one no. and a half
1: man is what the show will have to be called <laughs> oh <fun>. no <laughs> too
0: soon no, he won't. He's he's shitty, isn't
2: he? He really peaked in the eighties there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know what? And Whereas I really like that. Robert him Downey the Jr. has quite yeah. he's maintained his status in throughout. Fact, I
1: would argue Robert Downey Jr. is better now than he ever has been. Agreed. I would say that he has hit his stride. And I'm not saying that he's peaked, but I'm saying that he is as good now or better than he ever has been.
0: He had, a, he had a career renaissance in a way. It feels like that, anyway. Yeah. In a, in a way that, that John Travolta nearly did when Pulp Fiction came out. Yeah. You know.
2: He's kind of like the current... Well, not that there, there's a big gap in time, but he's kind of taken over for Sean Penn in that way, where he's kind of idle for a little while, and then he peaked, and...
0: And Sean Penn is now just this creepy guy who's always talking about
1: Haiti.
2: Yeah, isn't he... Like, doesn't he live there now or something?
1: Doesn't he make movies anymore? I don't think so.
2: I think he won his Oscar and then was like, okay, <laughs> I'm out. I'm Pretty done. Fair I'm... <laughs> enough.
0: <laughs> what was the name of the movie that won that Oscar? That he won that Oscar for, rather? Uh, Do you guys remember? No. Uh Sam. I Am Sam. I Am Sam. That was the one. Yeah. A good movie. Speaking of Oscar bait. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Greg, you, you're a wizard, man. <laughs> you just know the shit. And I don't, because I don't. It's weird. I thought Edmontonians watched more movies per capita than any other Canadian city. Because it's
1: cold. Yeah. So you stay in and watch them. Back on topic. Right. Yes, sir. Jiho, as you called him. Jiho, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, That's going to stick, man. Says the the King's Speech is going to win the Academy Award for Best Picture. Okay. I've already said that uh, of the ten pictures that have been nominated... The only ones worth considering are Black Swan, The Fighter, The King's Speech, The Social Network, and True Grit. Yeah. Because they are also up for directing awards. I also think that it's going to be The King's Speech, hands down. I don't think that it has any competition.
0: I I think it, for some reason, for no reason other than my own stupid intuition, I think it's between The King's Speech and Black Swan. Really? Yeah. I'm Black gonna, Swan could be the dark horse. As yeah, we're going to throw that out there. Um, A couple of people I was hanging out with this weekend mentioned that they'd seen it and that it was a very dark film, but that it was very fantastic. And they even said it was a challenge to watch, but that it deserved to win. I don't know if Hollywood is ready for that. I don't know if they have been in the past ready for such films, but I hope it's the king's speech. I think Black Swan could win it.
2: I, on my sheet, which I filled out at 3 a.m. this morning, so... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I actually checked the box for Black Swan.
0: Really? Yes. And you've not seen... I haven't seen it. No.
2: But, just knowing what it's about and hearing so many things about it, I think it could be a surprise. Hmm. I think a lot of people were also surprised last year when The Hurt Locker won.
1: That's true. Female
2: director winning and all that, you know. It was a surprise. I think maybe we could be surprised again.
1: The Hurt Locker, however, did win uh, the Director's Guild Award. And the Directors Guild Award is considered the barometer for the Oscars, because whatever wins the Directors Guild Award tends to win at the Oscars. And it was considered surprising last year because Avatar was the clear front runner, and then Hurt Locker won at the Directors Guild, and that made everybody go, What's gonna happen at the Oscars? And sure enough, Hurt Locker won. Hmm. So and I, I will point out King's Speech won the Directors Guild Award this year. So I cannot
3: understand at all why Avatar was in uh up for best picture I'm glad I'm not the only one because <laughs> that I mean yes it was a good film but uh, in the sense that like an action movie is a good film in, and not in, in the sense, sense that, that, that it's, Die it's, Hard was a good film yes exactly <laughs> I mean it wasn't you know it wasn't really all that uh, thought provoking or anything like that it had, it had you know very common themes that we've seen
1: time and again and, you know it kind of beat you over the head with environmental themes like I'm surprised it wasn't nominated for Best Animated Feature. <laughs> yeah, I said it. Wow. Everyone was thinking That's it. That is ballsy. That is ballsy. Take space. that, James Cameron. Please oh. don't sue me.
2: I, well, I was going to say, I heard this morning that um, Matt Damon turned down that role in Avatar by was Sam Worthington. Yeah. Yeah. He turned down that role. And Connor regrets it.
0: Really? Well, because of the yes.
2: boatloads of money he
0: would have made. Well, yes. yeah. They, they just drive a truck up to Sam Worthington's house and dump money on his driveway now, I hear. I um.
2: drive up to his house, i just saying.
1: She wouldn't be dumping money on his sidewalk, though, that's for sure.
0: <laughs> when Scott and I first conceived of the Unknown Studio, it was with a mind to tell the stories in Edmonton that weren't already being told by mainstream media or community newspapers. And we really thought we were onto something, you know, totally original. And I guess we were sort of original in a sense. But recently, View Weekly editor Samantha Power put me on to Edmonton Story Slam. Story Slam is an event that takes place at the Haven Social Club every third Wednesday of the month. It's a place for writers, both professional and amateur, to test out their material in front of a live audience. Anyone out there who listens to the Moth podcast will be familiar with this concept Scott and I attended Story Slam last week at Haven, and I'll let Susan Hagan, Story Slam's executive director, explain exactly how it works, just as she did last week at the Story Slam season four, Slam Off.
5: So, welcome to the event, it's free, uh, enjoy the bar, enjoy the menu, uh, and also we will be coming around with a hat at intermission, uh, and all of that money goes to our top three writers. The top writer will take home 70% of audience donations, second place will take 20% and third place will take 10%. We also have some wonderful prizing for the top three and little extras here and there for writers as well. Um, I'm gonna get to the rules. Writer's names are drawn randomly for order of appearance. Five audience judges, please wave who you are. We've got a great group of judges. We pick them for their expertise. Actually, they just can't be sitting with a competitor, or having. they couldn't have come with a competitor. So, uh, they are highly skilled judges. Um, They rate each writer with a score between zero, which is very, very mean, to ten, which is very, very sometimes well-earned. Stories receive no penalty up to five minutes after the five-minute mark, and we actually give you a five-second grace period because we're artists and we're nice. People. Um, so, five second grace period. After that, you start getting serious point deductions. So, don't go over five minutes, writers. Um, and you're gone at seven minutes, and that's not going to happen tonight. Uh, the timing starts when you speak into the microphone when, as soon as you begin. So, don't introduce yourself, just get right into it. Uh, no props, scripts are allowed. Uh, the stories must be by the author, and they must never have appeared on the stage before here. Uh, we encourage unpublished works, and the high score of the evening, of course, wins the slam off title. So, did I cover everything? Do we have any questions, Alison? Were you paying attention? I didn't think you were. I could just tell. I have beer. You have beer. Thank you. She's my, she's my helper. <laughs> oh, she has beer. Get me one, please.
0: We heard eight stories last week from a variety of different authors of a variety of ages, genders, and colors. This was the wrap up event from Story Slams Season 4, so the monthly winners from each previous Story Slam were invited back to compete against one another. One of the writers that night was Omar Mualim, and forgive me if I'm mis- mispronouncing your last name, Omar. Uh, Omar was the winner of Story Slam from last August and September. Scott and I really enjoyed Omar's story and he agreed to let us share it with you. In
4: 1960 Eddie Haymore was the kind of guy that you tell to run for mayor. Five years prior, he boarded a boat in Lebanon with one penny and he boarded in Halifax with $17 he earned cutting hair on the ship. He was a genius moneymaker, a real fabulous the P.T. Barnum of Jasper Place. That entire block down the road, 15210 Stony Plain Road, that was just one of his many ventures. He owned a restaurant and a mini mall, a barber shop and a barber school. He claims he invented men's hairspray by mixing women's hairspray with cologne and putting his own label on it, Renaissance. He was the modern equivalent of a multimillionaire and within 2 decades he'd lose it all and become forever known as a terrorist. I'd heard of him before but it was in 2007 that I heard from him. He found my picture and name in an Arab community paper and he called up the editor, who did the ethical thing and gave my cell number to an alleged terrorist. <laughs> Eddie thought I was a real movie insider and he had no idea I was a 21-year-old college dropout taking his phone call from a stranger's couch. He introduced himself by saying, my name is Eddie Hamur, and in 1976, I took 34 people hostage at the Canadian embassy in Beirut. And now he wanted to get a coffee. <laughs> that week I met an 83-year-old man he walked into the diner in a suit kicking around from his high-rolling nights on Jasper Avenue. He called the waitress good-looking, and he gave her five dollars to keep our coffee mugs full. He winked at me like he could get anything done. What he wanted from me, though, was a screenplay about his fabulous life, and we were going to get Ben Affleck to play him because Ben Affleck could speak Arabic, and Selma Hayek to produce it because she's half-Arab, and Arabs always look out for each other, he said. So for the next year and a half we'd meet, and from his stories I thought up of scenes. Fade in. Eddie in a canoe. docks in Ogopogo Island in Peachland, B.C. He looks around, nods his head, squints a for sale sign in the background. Cut to. He presents his plans to town hall for an Arabian theme park with a giant camel and ice cream shop. Cut to. Town hall protest, town folk protesting to the mayor. Jump cut. The premier takes a call from the mayor. Insert montage of Eddie in the courts and building theme park. We see five, six sequences of affidavits delivered, supply ship, gavels, hammers, fall, winter, another fall, just to make sure, insert calendar shot. It's taking his toll, he stopped shaving, his wife leaves, some voiceover of journal entries, he's fantasizing of blowing up the ledge. We meet Ralph Shout and his friend, his only friend, and character development shows that he's a government informant. Eddie confides in him, jump cut, police bust through the door. Another montage between the courts and prison, seuss, jumpers, lawyers, inmates, fade to, media frenzy outside, verdict day, not guilty, reasons of insanity, sentenced to a mental institution, title card, Eighteen months later, he's out. Cut to Eddie in a Beirut department, camera pans across the room, through the window we see Canadian flags, it's the embassy. He buys guns, ammo, rounds up four of his cousins, busts through the embassy with machine guns. He's got his pun- gun pointed at a woman's head and he could just fucking blow their brains out. Cameras, armies, tanks, the police, the PLO, he's on the phone, makes demands, amnesty and apology from the head of state, another prime minister, the queen he only gets the first one back in edmonton 10 years later he's broke poor alone opens an envelope apology from the queen who sheds a tear fades to black (laughs) after a year eddie wanted to see something but all i had to show was a sloppy outline illegible notes and hours of recorded conversations i just needed one more week always and i never ran out of excuses out of the city out of the country out of time out of work paying work I even lied to myself, reasoning my laziness, because I couldn't work with him dictating what scenes would be, what the title would be, and who would be in it, because if Ben Affleck was in my movie, I was going to take the fucking embassy hostage. (laughs) It was bullshit, of course. All I had were ideas, and that's nothing to violate. Eddie was from the make-work era, and I was from the get-out-of-work era. The greatest generation meets generation, why not tomorrow? I was testing his nerves, but he always smiled, and he tried a couple times to excite me. He called me to tell me his wife just published her memoirs, Married to a Terrorist. Now's the best time to get this to Salma Hayek, he said. Or he called me to tell me that Jamie Farr from MASH was performing at the Mayfield dinner, and he's Lebanese. But after three years of delaying, dodging, and deflecting, I got a defeated voicemail from him. He just wanted me to return his clippings and journal entries that he'd lent me. He handed me the greatest story never told, and now I was going to hand it back untold. I arrived with a box of stuff at his dingy one-bedroom apartment where sat his new wife, his third wife, an Argentinian lady he just met two months prior. She speaks no English or Arabic, and he speaks no Spanish, but they do speak the language of the bedroom, he assured me. I asked him, does she know who you are? Does she know your real life? He said, no, but she will.
0: During the intermission, I caught up with Story Slam's executive director, Susan Hagan, to find out more about the genesis and history of this monthly Edmonton event.
5: Well, uh, we kicked up in February 2006, so tonight is actually our five-year anniversary, and uh, we are thrilled with the turnout for season four. Uh, We have more than, our our seasons are more than a year long, that's why we're five years, uh, and this is season four. The writing tonight has just been incredible. We gather every month on the third Wednesday of every month. We are open to anyone coming up and telling a five-minute story. We're a fun, competitive environment. Uh, So we have five random audience judges uh, score the art uh, with a hard, cold number. And that combination, it might seem intimidating, but it actually makes literature more accessible and fun. And And the winner walks out with cash. So, you know, anywhere from 100 to 400 bucks.
0: Wow, that's really incredible. Now, you're you're referring to the performers tonight as writers, because that's what they do, they write their bits first, and then they come up and speak them. But uh, what kind of backgrounds do all these people come from?
5: Everything. I mean, we've had uh, professional writers with a distinguished history, and we've had uh, carpenters and housewives and mechanics and it's that kind of a stage and anybody can tell a story you don't have to be that great with a pen if you're really great with your mouth i didn't mean that to sound dirty but uh it's um you 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 can have a talent for telling stories and and some people get up and just ad-lib and some people really craft it and the beauty of five minutes is that it forces you to edit. It gets, it rips away all of the extraneous boring parts of your story, so you're left with the whole nut of it. And what I love is when writers tell me that they take uh, what they've done here and they've turned it into a book or a play or something like that.
0: Wow, so people really uh, get to hone their craft here. That's great. Now you guys have been around for five years. How did this whole thing get started? What was the inspiration for it? And, uh, yeah, tell me
4: about that. Sure.
5: Well, I guess I started it. Um, I had been out in Vancouver for a few years, and I was really involved in the open mic scene out there. And uh, they, their group was called Bolts of Fiction, and they just had a nice civilized literary evening where, you know, six, half a dozen people would sign up and tell their really long, boring stories. And it was fun. It was so fabulous. But, you know, the the uh, person who who took care of that event, that group, uh, Johnny Frem he w- had been going to poetry slams and he just went, you know, let's make this more lively, let's do a story slam. And Vancouver is actually the second story slam in the world. It actually originated in New York, uh, The Moss. and they have podcasts. And uh, they, they began it there probably about a decade ago. And the Vancouver timeline was about six or seven years. No, it m- must be eight now because we're at five. Well, I moved back to Edmonton and they helped me get going here and my group of writer friends all said, yeah, let's do it. That's exciting. So that's, that's how it went.
0: And here you are. That's here great. Here are. Now you mentioned in some of your, on your Facebook page and whatnot, that you had to move to Haven because you needed an environment that was uncensored. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about how you guys had been censored.
5: Okay. Uh, last uh, St. Patrick's Day, uh, we had a wonderful crowd, we were formerly at a, a, a cafe, and some of the patrons complained because of the material, and that didn't sit right with us, and, and the cafe owner wanted us to tone it down, and we went, we can't do that. Um, and it was hard, it was a hard, tough moment in our lives, it was a bit of a crisis, because that was we had to imagine it being somewhere else, and we did, we went, no, you know what? this is bigger than where this is and we need this boost because i think we were being too careful and we needed to have the most radical wonderful life nobody could be afraid nobody should be afraid to say fuck or they or tell about their dirty parts they just have to let it all out and that's what we can do here
0: well, that's awesome. Now, where do you see Story Slam in, say, another five years?
5: Oh, no, I, I'm so tired. Uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh. Someone else can manage it, right?
5: Well, I, and in another five years, I, I hope it is an Edmonton institution. We have created a nonprofit organization, um, and we are getting funding. Um, uh, last year, we were successful through the uh, Edmonton Arts Council in getting a grant, and we've got applications in again. So I see it growing. I see being able to do um, more promotions and have every event this packed. I mean that's where to go from here (laughs) is to, to build audience. We get writers here like crazy. And now to, to have every event like this would be fantastic.
0: And have you thought about or are you currently doing like moth-style recordings, something that you could publish later on?
5: No, and we haven't had the funding to do things like that, so there are plenty of ways that we can expand. And, yeah, we would love to do podcasts. We would love to be able to just, you know, you can do so much with it and, and with a little bit of, we can. <laughs> yeah, well,
0: that's what, that Story Slam needs cash. In order to be able to do stuff like that, I think maybe you and I should talk offline about how we can help you record these because I think they're great and thank you so much for having us
5: okay well thank you so much all right
0: Susan good luck with the rest of story slam now sadly Omar did not win the slam off this season that honor went to a woman named Margaret McPherson who told a fantastic story about marriage and the wonderful differences that make her relationship with her engineer husband work so well You can hear all kinds of stories from a variety of different Edmontonians coming from a range of different experiences, and I really recommend you go. The next Story Slam takes place at the Haven Social Club on Wednesday, March 16th at 15120 Stony Plain Road. Hope to see you there.
6: It's the League of Extraordinary Media. TheEdmontonian.com. Truebrittle.com the unknown studio user created content it's a bird it's a plane it's a guarantee of quality edmonton-based online content if you're interested in joining or would like more information visit league of
1: talk about some actors
2: sure righty
1: everybody's <laughs> flipping their page over because adam printed off a handy yeah, cheat sheet
0: except ashley ashley has the official oscar ballot
2: i do and
1: i'm looking at our website where i made my picks earlier
0: this month here is a question for you guys do you know if there are a set of criteria that these films have to hit to get nominated or is it just voting is it all just voting
4: i think
2: it's just voting and then obviously for uh, supporting actor actor it's screen time
4: much uh, time. right, right.
1: there is some uh, criteria as well for music uh, because I know that uh, Black Swan got bumped out of a nomination because a lot of its music is derivative oh, okay, and so they were told nope you're you you literally don't have an original screenplay or original score, sorry, misspoke, so they were told they can't uh, be nominated in that category.
0: Oh, huh, fair enough. well, on that note, um, i my hope. ...is that uh, for every person nominated in one of these categories for The King's Speech that they win. Um, Because I think um, Helena Bonham Carter did a great job. Um, She was... The thing that I liked about The King's Speech actually was that it was funny. That it it was a serious film in so many ways... But it was so hilariously British at the same time. There was some. There was a very dry humor quality about it. She played the character so well and was able to, you know, when, when you know the woman is, is fucking insane in real life and she can be completely lucid in this role, this very sort of proper woman, I think she did a phenomenal job. So for sure, actress in a supporting role, I want Tim Burton's wife to win it. Other choices? Yeah,
2: no, I, I, that's who I'd like to see win as well. Um, because I think it must be hard. She she had to think about who she's playing. She's playing a real person who existed in history, who. Up until
1: just recently, as a matter of fact. Yeah, the Queen true. Mom lived forever.
2: Well, <laughs> it was 10 years ago she passed away. Yeah. But um, to know that that person's daughter is going to be watching you play this role as well and could basically hold your fate in her hand. I'm, I'm sure that Helena Bottom Corner would love to have an OBE one day, and the Queen's going to go, well, I really didn't like the way you played my mom, <laughs> so no. Uh, so I hope she wins. I think she might have some competition from Melissa Leo, who has won everything but the BAFTA.
3: That's true. I'm personally pulling for the Haley Steinfeld. I recently watched True Grit, and, it was, and she was surprisingly good in it. Just very, very good. Or Amy Adams, because she's hot.
1: Now, I actually also picked Haley Steinfeld from True Grit, because I also, although I have not had a chance to see True Grit yet, unfortunately, uh, I have heard nothing but excellent things about her and picked her, almost against my better judgment, because kids, and I will quantify her as a kid for this category, even though she's a teenager, don't generally win Oscars. And I don't know why that is, no matter how good they are in the film, they just generally don't. But I'm hoping that she will buck that trend, and that she will be a winner this year. Hmm. My chair just made a crazy
0: (laughs) noise. Yep. (laughs) It's the Superman physique that's doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Hold on there. I need to wreck everything.
1: (laughs) Uh, I think that's everybody and their pick for uh, Best Supporting Actress. Let's move on to Best Supporting Actor.
0: Hmm. Now, has anyone seen Winter's Bone? No. We had Daniel Kazor on the show. He works at the National Post. Um, and he, when we asked him in the Fast 15 what his one of his favorite movies was, we, he, we wound up talking about Winter's Bone. And um, I don't know anything about this film. I was surprised to see it even listed here, but I was just wondering if anyone had seen it. He said it was a phenomenal movie. Well, obviously, if somebody got nominated, it must have been Oscar bait for it. Yeah, some British retard. There designer. you go. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> very politically correct of <laughs> you to yeah, say. Yes, okay. uh, I went with Jeffrey Rush. I know Christian Bale has been doing well this award season, but uh, I again I saw The King's Speech. Jeffrey Rush is a phenomenal actor. He is very deserving of an Academy Award generally for anything he's ever done up to and including Pirates of the Caribbean I'm just gonna I'm gonna go on record saying that uh and I would like to see him win the Oscar
3: Greg I would imagine that it's probably Jeffrey Rush I I, looking at this I'm not really sure why Jeremy Rainer's in here from the town like I I watched the town he's not in it very much and not (laughs) not not very impressive either so I mean I like him as an actor but I just I, I can't understand that decision why he's why he's on this list
2: I would like to see Jeffrey Rush win, because he's due for an Oscar, I think. Um, on my sheet, though, I marked down Christian Bale. That being said, he's one of those people that's not so popular with the Academy, I think. He's made some comments in the past. He's, he's made some mistakes in the past, and I think that may come back to bite him.
0: Now, he won the Golden Globe, did he not? Yes. Yes, he did. Um, Talk about crazy Hollywood celebrities. I mean, those outbursts must have an effect on Academy members' views of him. Having said that, he is a very talented actor. Um, But my hope, because he was amazingly good, and because he is amazingly good, is that Jeffrey Rush will win this one. Mm -hmm. But I think you might be right, Ashley.
2: No, it's just, uh, I mean, the two outbursts he had, one was on his family, which I don't think anybody can hold against him. When, you know, the other time, it was, I believe, on the set of Batman, he freaked out on a production assistant. Terminator.
1: Oh, yeah, that's okay. right. It was yeah, Terminator.
2: But, so, oh. that that could have had a really huge impact on whether or not he wins the Oscar or not. Anyway, right, he is, uh, Christian Bale, also, very talented. The first movie I ever saw him in was Little Women. <laughs> and now look at him. <laughs> <laughs> there
0: you go. <laughs> that's true.
3: I don't, I'm not convinced that he's a terribly talented actor. No. I think, I think he's, I think he's good in the stuff that he does, but I mean, I think that. The Batman voice discounts him from Now, balls. here's, wow. I'm going I'm <laughs> to we'll put him, because gonna, that, is a, that is a terrible decision
1: from an actor's t- point of view to, to, ta- I, to sound like that. I'm, yeah, not, I'm willing no, to kind of horrible? clump him in in the Keanu Reeves category, and this is based on a conversation I had with someone just recently, and they made a, a fairly convincing argument that Keanu Reeves is actually a good actor with just an incredibly narrow range. There's like two things that he can do, but he does them very well. And I'm I'm willing to agree to that, and I'm willing to say that Christian Bale kind of the same thing. He's very good in a slightly narrower range of uh, of roles. I, I don't know. I what feel it like is. range makes you a better actor.
4: Well, I, I would be, I would agree.
3: I, I've been saying for for ages that uh, Jesse Eisenberg is the is the talented Michael Cera because he has Jesse I, Eisenberg has a lot more range than mm-hmm. Michael Cera does.
0: Yeah, um, I am so. for whatever there's still the halo effect from christian bale's portrayal in american psycho for me i thought he did i love that movie i thought he did a fantastic job of being nuts uh but you have to be a little nuts to be batman maybe maybe he is kind of limited i don't know but i when i watch him in movies i usually aside from the batman voice i will give you that i usually really enjoy him
1: okay actress in a leading role moving up moving up the charts
0: i'm gonna go with natalie portman for this one even though uh, I hated her acceptance speech at the Golden Globes, I would hold that against her. But uh, but I I think that um, you know if it doesn't win Best Picture that she'll get a Best Actress nod or Best Actress in a Leading Role nod for sure. I think, and I think Annette Benning won't win it because Hollywood, in spite of what it says, still not comfortable with gay. I I, I totally believe that. I didn't know that she was gay. That's.
3: It's <laughs> <used to laughs> well, okay, the news to me Well, gay in the film. Oh, in the. See, okay, <laughs> there you go. I
0: so haven't seen this film yeah, 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 so. <laughs> yeah.
2: But she did win. Did she not win at the Golden Globes?
0: I thought I thought Matt Natalie Portman won that one.
2: Uh, I know the kids are wait, all it right. Did. Won something. Was that supporting actress? Uh, hang, on. hang on.
0: She and Juliana Moore were nominated. Mm-hmm. Weren't they?
2: Yes. Uh, oh, maybe I'm wrong. I was half asleep watching no, the no, Golden Globes. No, no,
0: no. Uh, no, I'm pretty sure. I don't know. We might have to look it up, but. I, thought, uh, I Natalie know
2: Natalie Portman, Portman did win a Golden Globe. I'm pretty sure that the Kids are All Right did win something. I think and you're right. And for some reason, I can't get Annette Bening out of my head.
0: Well, shit, if you're right, there goes my whole premise. No, it doesn't. It doesn't change. It doesn't change because, yes.
1: Okay, we're going to get the official word here. One
3: moment. <laughs> I agree with you. I think, it's, I, think even, I think Natalie Portman should win. I.
1: Natalie Portman you, I've, I've did seen, win like, Best Performance by an Actress. Yeah. So,
3: yeah. But I really like Black Swan a lot not uh, anything? <laughs> well, The
1: Kids Are Alright won Best Motion Picture, Comedy, or Musical. Uh, That's okay. what And it makes, she yeah. won for Best Performance by an Actress in a Motion Picture for Comedy or Musical. Okay. Because they break that away from drama for the Golden Globes. Okay. That's what I was so thinking. She did now. win an acting award. She did not win the acting award that Natalie Portman won. And now they're both competing for the same award.
2: I think Natalie Portman is going to win. Just because. That's... How things have been going this awards season? I think she deserves it. Um I'm a little disappointed. One of my favorites is Nicole Kidman. I heard that her role in Rabbit Hole is excellent. But you haven't heard anything about it or her role in it. I just think she didn't get enough press in it. I think it kind of got buried beneath all these other movies like The King's Speech and like and like Black Swan. When did
3: Rabbit Hole come out? Was that was that sort was of it the, early in the year maybe? Was it like when all the other Oscars it was was mid-season it
2: was very Mm. um, it was yeah like I said I think it was just kind of buried which is disappointing because what I had heard were really great things I believe her and Aaron Eckhart is uh, the actor in the movie were on Oprah talking about it and that's the only press I think I saw that this movie got
0: yeah some movies just don't get promoted like for whatever reason the production companies decide this isn't the one that we're going to throw all our dollars behind
3: yeah, I, anything that kind of shows you just how uh, money-driven the Oscars are to begin with. Yeah, I mean these guys take out tons of ads for their movies when it comes around to Oscar season, so you know, essentially trying to buy themselves an Oscar in a in a sense. So, well, yeah, I, <laughs> I think
0: many of them think of it as an investment. Yeah, exactly. Uh, rather
3: than, than you a get purchase. to put that little <laughs> statue on the cover of your DVD box, which <laughs> yeah, apparently right. turns into
0: a lot more sales. So, uh, Scott, did you did you name your leading actress
1: uh no but i am in agreement that it will be natalie portman for black swan partly because a apparently she's phenomenal yeah and b because uh yeah as ashley said that's the way the wind has been blowing through the award season and i'm who am i to say otherwise
0: now she isn't she in a movie that's out now or coming out soon or is out uh with, with Ashton future <laughs> yeah how do you Some people
3: were worried that that was going to ruin her chances that a shitty movie with Ashton Kutcher was going to diminish her ability to win an award.
2: But I heard it wasn't that bad. Really? <laughs> yeah, it's like it came out number one opening weekend in the box office as far as Ashton Kutcher movies go. It's probably not one of the worst well, to ones. To be
3: fair, being number one in the box office in January or February is not terribly. That's not really a feat True. considering the competition that you're usually up against. But like usually uh, though, the Gnome movie? Gnomeo and, <laughs> Gnomeo Juliet, and Juliet.
0: But usually wouldn't... Uh, I mean, critics still have something of an impact on, I suppose, depends on the film. But like Snakes on a Plane wasn't going to be impacted by anyone's review, for example. But I, w- I think that something like this Ashton Goodshere movie would have been... Uh, you know, attendance would have been affected by reviews. It must have been just sort of lukewarm. It wasn't terrible, because if it was terrible, I'd have heard about it. It probably would have been mashed up somewhere on YouTube somehow. I, I think, it was really green, I think comedies rely too. a
3: lot more on uh, word of mouth that to could spread. Be. That could be, I yeah. mean, think about um, something about Mary—the kind of effect that that had when, once word of mouth, ex- uh, it was kind of a little bit of a sleeper hit. You know, it became it was number one the second weekend and not the first weekend, I believe. So, I mean, if it, if and that's a co- it's a comedy, right? I yeah. It's, so it's you know, if it, uh, I, I don't wonder, think it matters too much about the reviews as long as people. You know, spread the word that it's funny, which I,
0: I suppose so. Well, I don't think she'll be winning any Oscars for it. <laughs> Ashton might. They <Is> give <laughs> an Oscar away for most obnoxious celebrity.
1: <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> yeah. performance by an actor <laughs> in a leading role. Not. So I actually will go on record saying I think this is the deepest field of all the acting awards, just because everyone on it is really good. Uh, Javier Bardem in Beautiful is. Apparently just like amazing.
0: Now did that come out in Edmonton at all?
1: Yeah, it was playing at um Garneau. Okay. I believe. It it was either that or the princess, one of the white Ave indie films. Sure. I, I saw
0: a preview for it when I went to see the King's Speech and it did look very compelling, but
1: And he apparently sure. is is really, really good in it. And I mean Beautiful is up for a best foreign film award. So he's also
3: getting a ton of uh uh, offers for movies coming up in the next couple of years. So. Mm.
1: Uh, Jeff Bridges, always good. He won the Oscar last year. In fact, he beat Colin Firth for the Oscar last year, That's which right. somebody pointed out. Uh, Jesse Eisenberg, you already pointed out, the better Michael Cera. He, They were saying he was going to get nominated the moment the social network came out. Colin Firth, as I just mentioned, for The King's Speech. And James Franco for 127 Hours, which I have not seen, but apparently is Disturbing and and very well done. and and because he needs to carry the film basically by himself it's about a guy trapped on a mountain and apparently he does very very well so very deep field still giving it to Colin Firth he's going to beat Jeff Bridges this year he'll take the Oscar
0: uh i think you're probably right having only seen of course the king's speech i'm wondering though we've i mean we've left a lot of and it hasn't really been around here but the Social Network was so critically acclaimed, and I haven't seen it, which is crazy because it's kind of my job, um, but what is it about this film that's so good, and, and is it, it's nominated everywhere. Is it going to be one of those films that doesn't win a single goddamn thing?
1: Oh, I think it'll win here and there. Yeah. I don't think it's going to win much of the It actually stuff.
0: might win for soundtrack. Is it on for soundtrack? It's yes. got to be.
1: Yes, it is. Trent Reznor got nominated for the social network. Great.
0: Anyway, so, but I think you're right. I think Colin Firth is going to win it. Uh,
1: I will also point out that Jeff Bridges and James Franco, both in interviews just in the last week, have, no, uh, I take that back. That's not factually correct. James Franco said it when he was being asked about hosting the awards. Mm. Uh, But Jeff Bridges just recently said it, that they both fully expect Colin Firth to win. They're going basically for the party and to watch Colin Firth celebrate winning an Oscar. So, saying they might hold out some hope, but they clearly have picked who they think is going to win. Sure. Now, what about our guests? What do you guys <laughs> think? Uh,
2: I think Colin Firth will win. Again, it's how things have gone this award season. Um, I think Jeff Bridges won't win simply because, if you look uh, at the role that he played last year, to win compared with Two Grit, mm-hmm. not not quite on the same level. Not quite the same type of movie. But he was playing
1: the Duke in True Grit. <laughs> yeah. How can you go wrong?
2: Um, with Javier Bardem, he's won an Oscar in the past. Not a foreign language film. Maybe not the most popular to be winning for a best actor role. Jesse Eisenberg. Um, don't know a lot about the guy. No, he kind of bothers me. <laughs> I think you and I had this conversation, Scott, the other day that he is also very anti-Hollywood. He, I was watching an interview with him, he doesn't own a TV, he doesn't go on the internet, he doesn't read newspapers, he's just kind of at home alone, I guess staring at a wall. And I just think that makes you very out of touch with, with inter- you're in the entertainment business and you don't own a television. How can you, yeah, how can you be a part of the culture that you're supposed to be working in if you don't pay any attention to it? He said he doesn't like going to movie premieres he doesn't like walking the red carpet well then why are you an actor <laughs> go find a stage somewhere and i, be I on would stage. guess that he's an
3: actor because he's getting paid a shit ton for of money sure. for
1: well <laughs> i'm but the impression that he be... is he is a like a he's like a comedian actor he's like a stage comedian basically and he doesn't like all the glitz and glamour because he is used to satiring that kind of crap and so he lands a dramatic role hits it out of the park because he actually is very talented as well and is just maybe uncomfortable with the celebrity culture that comes with that because that's what he's used to making fun of and now he's kind of part of it
2: but he has to be careful because we've seen actors like that before that eventually people get tired of that and say if you don't want to be a part of this then don't be and they stop getting hired so he I think he's walking a very fine line and he needs to be careful
0: you know what's funny about that is you know who's not like that but is sort of in a way is Harrison Ford he um, I mean he obviously likes acting he's very good at it but he there was an interview he was in recently and someone asked him a question he was like I'm not answering that like I'm here to I'm here to sell a movie I'm not here to shoot the shit with you I'm here to sell a movie and I just thought like he you know he takes his craft very seriously but he knows it's a business this is like to me this sounds more <laughs> artsy almost that attitude, so it's just a huge contrast.
3: I respect the a- actors who disassociate themselves with Hollywood, sure, I prefer those actors personally I don't know I mean it, they those are the actors that you know when you when you see them in interviews and things like that feel a lot more real to me then rather than being in an- interv- interview and they're just sort of performing along with everything else like if you see Jennifer Aniston, for instance, on uh the Daily Show or something like that, it really it doesn't feel like you're. Uh, watching Jennifer Aniston, the person, being interviewed yeah. by Jon Stewart. She is
0: promoting a movie. I mean, that's, that's the purpose of her being there. And
3: yeah, but it, it just feels like, it feels like everything that she does is very tempered and very controlled, and that really just bothers me when I see
1: celebrities that, that are in. She's kind of like always that. on. Yeah, I exactly. would agree with that. Yeah. I, I get that impression from and her And there's plenty well. of
3: other actors who are the exact same way, and I, you know, I respect the ones who would rather stay out of the limelight. And I'm willing to bet they're, they're probably more stable people.
0: But shitting on the, the sort of Hollywood culture probably doesn't do great things for your Oscars. Is that players. what Jesse Eisenberg is doing? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, we may have gotten far away from where we were.
3: <laughs> we're just going to put words in his mouth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Jesse Eisenberg hates everybody. <laughs> he hates you for liking his movies. <laughs> yeah, how dare you. <laughs> that now, is also possibly slander. Piece have you sport. actually told us, did I miss you saying who you thought was going to win?
3: I'm just going to go with Jesse Eisenberg. I don't okay. think he'll win, but I'm, that's
1: the only name I'm going to utter because that's who I want to win. Fair enough.
0: Now, what about... Uh, we?
1: I'm, I'm going to, before go you move it. on, just I'm going to point out James Franco is up for an Oscar. He's up for Best Actor in a Leading Role. He's also hosting the show. And that's at least rare. I don't know if that's ever actually happened before. What do you think that's going to... How do you think that's going to play out when he inevitably does not, in fact, win?
2: I think he'll be funny about it.
1: Since I he's think a he will be, guy. too. funny I, I mean, I'm expecting that as well. But I'm just... I would hope that he throws a
3: huge tantrum.
1: I, I actually hope he also throws a huge yeah. tantrum, but obviously facetious.
3: Because then, then I would actually watch something on the Oscars. Because i got to tell you right now, <laughs> I'm not watching the Oscars at no, all. He,
0: he should for sure cop an attitude. Yeah. But I'd like to see him actually become upset
1: <laughs> not not fake upset but just actually yeah, totally lose his cool a
0: little schadenfreude as i sit there on my couch watching him just lose it christian bale style that's what i'm looking for that's what i'm hoping for is that fair He like
2: sits in the middle of the stage and refuses to move <laughs> <Just> <laughs> no his i'm just, yeah. i'm
1: you know what no i'm not gonna i'm not gonna go on you can bring me out an oscar or i'm just gonna sit here and the show is gonna stop
0: <laughs> this one's filled with chocolate <laughs>
1: you know what? There's there's an art direction statue still back there. Just give that to me. I'll be happy.
3: <laughs> yeah, I think I'd rather take home one of those huge ones than the little one.
0: There's all manner of celebrity gossip websites out there. Hell, when most people hear the phrase celebrity gossip, they probably picture that self-entitled shit disturber Perez Hilton, or think of a site like the com. But did you know that Canada has its very own original celebrity gossip website? It's called thisneedstostop.com, and I spoke on the phone recently with Sylvia Kramer, one of the site's creators and a displaced Vancouverite turned Haligonian, about the direction celebrity gossip is going in in general. She told me This Needs to Stop aims to take a lot of the negativity out of your typical celebrity gossip website. Here's my interview with Sylvia from thisneedstostop.com.
7: I mean, we're just inundated now. We live in a world where every time you turn around, I mean, on Twitter, on your newsstands, on the Internet, there's so much information about celebrities, and it's usually like pitting people against each other or, you know, exposing people's diva behavior or secret scandalous sides of their lives. And, you know, it's funny, like we, there's four of us that contribute to the blog And we all have seemed to found this sort of love for celebrities, but kind of trying to find, like, funny facts about them or, you know, finding celebrities that maybe we've forgotten about and maybe they're, you know... We've got some information, the inside scoop on what that might be. So um, just kind of trying to bring to light these people. I was referring to them as some celebrities who've got a little bit of dust on the bottle and <laughs> shaking that dust off and uh, and just kind of bring them to light because people love to hear, you know, what happened to so-and-so or whatever. So we're kind of trying to bring that to light a little bit.
0: Cool. So we'll never see any pictures uh, of celebrities with little Photoshop jizz marks on them.
7: No, okay, well, I, <laughs> unless it has something to do with our story. But I think that we're trying to keep it fairly away from the from the you know cartoon jizz.
0: So uh, that's great. I'm glad to hear that. Um, <laughs> how did the four of you uh, find each other and decide to get this whole thing rolling?
7: Well, the, it actually started as a video blog that only had to do with Gossip Girl, and we actually found each other on Twitter. Um, Two of us, we all actually knew each other somehow, but not all in person, so yeah. we all kind of had links together, and through Twitter, it seemed like every Tuesday, the same group of us were commenting on Gossip Girl and having these conversations, and I had only met um, one of the four of us in person at that point, point. and kind of as a joke, we were like, we should get together and record this, this could be kind of funny, and uh, so we did, and we recorded our first video blog, I think it was in September. And it was all about Gossip Girl. The more we started hanging out with each other, we realized that we had a lot to, a lot in common, I guess, but also a lot to share mm-hmm. in terms of our ridiculous banter that would kind of go on off the camera. Yeah. So we try, We thought we'd try and kind of bring that to light a little bit. People don't really like watching 15-minute videos about Gossip Girl. <laughs> we came to learn, <laughs> sadly, because we really actually like recording it. Um, the name of the blog actually started out as The Reach Around. Um, also not you know, a particularly family-friendly <laughs> name, which Amy and I actually didn't even realize. We thought it was just a funny word, and then we both went home and asked her. We were like, oh, yeah, we started this blog, and we called it the reach-around, and like, our significant others were both like, what?
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I tried to look it up on Google, and I got some pretty interesting search <laughs> results from it. So, yeah. yeah. Now, so, I mean, is it we're actually, innocent. Sorry, go ahead.
7: No, I was going to say we're innocent enough people, but we, we were too naive on the initial naming of the blog, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: is it something that people can find on iTunes or something like that? Are you doing it anymore? Reach um
7: we we're still doing it you're still we, doing
0: the reach around
7: we're still doing the reach around, <laughs> <laughs> and we've kept the name for the video blogs as the reach around because we just think it's really funny, but the name of the vlog itself is now this needs to stop um you can find the posts actually once in a while we're not doing them as frequently, mostly because the um episodes of gossip Girl have been a little bit more sporadic, sure. and that was part of the reason too that we started we started reaching out because. We were There was like a six-week break or something over Christmas, and we were like, we don't really want this sitting for six weeks, and, and we all kind of really enjoy hanging out with each other and doing stuff together, so we took it out of just the video blog into um, posts and stuff as well, too. So you can find video entries once every two weeks, I guess. You'll see one on, so there should be one up in the next couple of days from our last week's episode. Okay. And uh, it's just more for our personal pleasure than <laughs> anyone else's
0: now. Fair enough. Now, do you, all four of you live in Halifax?
7: We do. We're all from different parts of the country, Mm -hmm. but have all kind of come together here. So I'm originally from B.C., Amy's from New Brunswick, Sarah's from PEI, and Joel's from Nova Scotia originally. So we're all kind of taking our um, experiences and brushes with fame and all that kind of stuff from our previous lives and bringing them together here. Um, I was really lucky. I guess this all kind of, fueled for me when i was living in vancouver um we were living right downtown and you know vancouver is you know hollywood
6: canada yeah canada basically
7: yeah so i mean there was constantly celebrities walking around and i have a celebrity magnet at my butt so i've got like way more encounters than i can even remember sometimes but uh it kind of fueled that too like Running into these people in real life gives you kind of more of a look into who they actually are, and they're always claiming that they're like everybody else, but they're not, and we kind of just want to bring to light, I guess, part of the humanity of them, but also the part of them that makes them famous and why we actually find them interesting. Sure.
0: Um, What sort of brushes with celebrity have you had that have been most memorable that either made you think, yeah, this person is totally normal, or no, you are clearly existing on a different plane than everybody else?
7: (laughs) Well, I would say my most recognized celebrity encounter was with Robert Pattinson from Twilight. Okay. They filmed the Twilight series in Vancouver, and where I used to live, there was a Starbucks underneath uh, in the first floor of my building and it was easter sunday and i went downstairs to grab a coffee and it was just me and my like barista that you you get to know because you live in the building or whatever and mm-hmm. um it i saw him kind of walk around the corner and he came in and he was like this teeny tiny little person really nice and really friendly but like small i'm only five foot four and he was probably shorter than i was really and, uh, look, yeah yeah in everything no, he's tiny. Like, I was surprised, and he even had, like, a big coat on. It was raining and, and stuff, and he was really small. Like, I was shocked. Hmm. And so, anyway, he was probably my most notable one. I've heard a lot of people had encounters with him in more public settings where he was just completely, like, turning around in elevators to face the wall and stuff. But, like, when I, it was just me and him. I didn't try and talk to him. I've never even seen Twilight, to be perfectly honest with you. I knew who he was, obviously, because I get my daily dose of... Uh, pop goss- gossip of course but yeah. um, really like down to earth and I think like it was just an instance where I didn't freak out and so he chose to operate on the same uh, level but I think my personal most favorite celebrity encounter was with James Vanderbeek at the grocery store one day cool and uh, I was getting I was in the frozen pizza aisle and I caught him out of the corner of my eye and I still don't know how my brain registered so quickly that it was him because it was like a glimpse of James Vanderbilt walking past me. You love
3: celebrities.
7: I love them. It's like my brain just knew. And then the girl at the counter started singing the theme song to Dawson's Creek and it was just the funniest (laughs) thing. And he ends up leaving and we go through the checkout and we are like, what did he buy? And she's like, he bought batteries. And we're like, do you think he's using it for his handy cam to go film the next Dawson Leary (laughs) picture (laughs) and uh, it was really funny like he was he was so down to earth just buying groceries I used to actually run into a lot of people at the grocery store there because it was next door to a hotel where a lot of celebrities would stay so I had a lot of encounters at that particular grocery store I haven't had anyone that I've run into that I've thought was like out of this world crazy like most of the most of my encounters have been fairly normal I would say
0: yes you've never run into Tom Cruise who is no,
7: nuts. and I wish I would have. He's actually filming in Vancouver right now. I just oh. saw that they're at Science World. I'm like, I should have been there. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, like everyone has so far come across as relatively sane. I think so. That's been, I guess, not particularly fascinating. <laughs> oh,
4: I mean, it,
0: it's still unusual to have run into celebrities like that. I mean, I think I once saw Kenny Rogers in a. Elevator in Montreal, and that's the extent of, of my celebrity
7: <laughs> encounters. That's a, not a bad one, though.
0: I don't, but I don't think I said two <laughs> words to the guy. Well, what am I going to say? Hey, hey, you really do got to know when to hold him, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> so, well, then
7: you could have said you said that to Kenny Rogers. Yeah, <laughs> I
0: guess so. That would have been a great story. So, yeah. why why name the blog "This Needs to Stop"?
7: Um. Well, Joel, who's our token male of the group. <laughs> who started in Gossip Girl because he didn't know what Gossip Girl was and we thought it would be funny to include him. Um, He also does all of our editing for our videos and stuff. He actually had This Needs to Stop as a domain that he'd registered a while ago that he never ended up really using. And we just kind of thought it was funny, like, what needs to stop necessarily, like, the way that you're treating celebrities and the way you're reporting on them, I guess, in a way, or is it just, like, things in general – you know, like celebrity trends that need to stop, like crazy outfits, like wearing your underwear over your tights and stuff, or whatever. You know what I mean? So that does we kind of, yeah, it does need to stop. There's a lot of things to do too, and I mean, in our "This Needs to Stop," we have a kind of a section about this things that need to stop. It's not always celebrity related. Like we do, uh, we have an article on sidewalk hogs, for example, and and it's a post with you know pictures describing sidewalk hogs, like mostly just things in general that need to stop, but. To be perfectly honest, I kind of just thought it was a funny name, and we needed something that was, um, for us, would fill the void of the reach around. And we felt that this needs to stop. Did a did a sufficient <laughs> job of doing that for
0: us? Filling the void of the reach around. Th- these, <laughs> these are, you know, this is really a conversation I didn't feel like I'd be having uh, with you, but uh, but still most gratifying that, that we are talking <laughs> about these things. Where uh, where are you guys hoping to take the blog? Are, are you do you have any plans for? additional content, styles, or anything like that, or are you just going to keep on doing what you do?
7: Well, you know, we've been really lucky. Like, we've got a couple of contributors, or not contributors, but I guess people that we're in touch with who are in the business who have been really awesome at connecting us with other celebrities or people who were celebrities, <laughs> and we're going to dust their dust off their bottles, I guess. Um, so we're, I'm, I've got some things lined up in terms of interviews with a couple of celebrities, that we'd like to tell people where they've been. Mm-hmm. I've got another interview lined up with um a friend of mine actually that I grew up with in BC who was actually in the last Twilight movie and she's doing some really awesome stuff. She was in The Watchmen as well too. So we're gonna be doing kind of featuring some celebrities as well too that we we know. People who are kind of like rising stars and that sort of thing as well too and, and just sharing some of our stories of our brushes with fame, Like On my sister's birthday, for example, we did a little shout-out on her birthday, and my sister and I ran into uh, Chris Carmack, who was in the OC, and did a little, you know, shout-out to my sister's birthday, but also kind of included her brush with fame as well, too, and just trying to, you know, bring those people to light, I guess.
0: Cool. Well, that sounds awesome. Uh, I encourage everyone to read thisneedstostop.com and keep on reaching for the stars and stop reaching around, I suppose.
7: (laughs) Thank you. And I mean, we welcome people to leave comments if there's, if there's a celebrity that you are dying to know what happens. Like we did a feature on Jonathan Taylor Thomas a little while ago, and I had a little bit, in, bit of inside dirt into where Jonathan Taylor Thomas was, for example. So us, you know, girls who were reading the teen beats and having this picture on our walls, like we need to know that kind of stuff, you yeah. know? So if there's a celebrity that you're dying to get a, the update on, let us know, and we'll do our best to track them down.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks for talking to us, Sylvia.
7: Thanks, Adam. I appreciate it. Take care. You too. Bye.
1: Are you looking for current, relevant, highly specialized digital media instruction you need to seek out? The Guru. Guru Digital Arts College offers intense six-month programs that simulate real-world projects. You'll work in small classes in a casual professional environment and meet industry pros who offer a mentor-style approach to learning. Some institutions make the same claim, but with Guru, you'll develop the confidence to get out and become a part of the digital media community. Come visit us anytime. Check out a class, talk with our instructors, and be part of the Guru experience. For more information, email info at gurudigitalarts.com or call 1-877-429-4878.
6: In It to Win It, a story written and produced by Scott Lilwall. Doug died in much the same state that he lived his life, coming off the high of his latest success. He had just landed a massive client for the advertising company he worked for, and in Doug's world, winning came with rewards. So he had poured himself a drink and sat down at his desk. It was at that point that Doug's body, which had spent nearly 29 years striving for excellence, simply quit. Now, Doug sat alone in a room. He assumed it to be purgatory, although it reminded him of a high school cafeteria. Long wooden tables, cheap, molded plastic chairs, fluorescent lights that reflected off the scuffed white tiles and made everything seem washed out. Purgatory. Doug didn't know how he knew it was purgatory. It was just one of those things he was sure of, a thought that tingled at the very top of his brain. The same way you know the person in the supermarket express line in front of you has more than twelve items. You don't need to count. You just know. Before Doug was an envelope, unsealed, set beside a folded piece of paper. In big block letters, his name was stamped across the front. Underneath it, your sin. Perfectionism. Doug thought that was a little harsh. He liked winning, succeeding, getting awards for hard work. Sure, he stepped on a few toes to do it, but he wasn't a bad guy. Just driven. Driven. Further on down the page, your penance, learning to lose. Doug flipped the note over to check the other side, but it was blank. He turned around. No longer was he standing in the purgatory cafeteria. Instead, a wide dirt field spread out in front of him. People milled around the field, ducking in between large white tents and smaller wooden booths. The smell of carnival food, deep fried and sickly sweet, hung in the summer air. Doug looked down, only now realizing that he was no longer holding the letter in his hand. It had been replaced by a paper ticket. On it, in bright purple letters, ring toss. Looking up from the ticket, Doug saw the tent before him. Over it, a hand-painted sign hung from a weathered pole. Ring toss. Behind the game counter, an ancient man stared. He was dressed in a red vest with a crisp white shirt underneath. It should have been an inviting sight... But coupled with the game runner's chilly stare and the scowl on his heavily wrinkled face, Doug did not exactly feel welcomed. Doug stepped up to the counter. At that moment, the game came alive. Rusty orange lights hung on wires blinked off and on again. Out of an old speaker, the tinny-sounding recording of a gleeful laugh cut the silence, followed by the ringing of a carnival bell. In the middle of the tent, glass pot bottles set in neat rows. Doug couldn't even guess how old the bottles were. The thick glass had long ago been dulled with grime and had become the final resting place for more than a few flies. Every row of bottles had a sign beside it with a number. Points. The first row was worth ten points. Each row was worth more, all the way up to a hundred for the furthest. In the middle of the farthest row, one bright orange bottle, resting slightly lower than the others. It had the number 300 written across it in thick black marker. And hanging above the bottle, a stuffed monkey swayed lazily from a hook. Its head was tipped forward, as if resting in a hangman's noose. The chubby monkey doll wore a striped blue shirt with the words, I'm a winner, in large yellow letters along the front. Doug looked up at the man, and then back to his own hand. The ring-toss ticket was gone. In its place, three small rubber rings, not much bigger than the necks of the pop bottles. Doug shrugged as he put two of the rings on the counter in front of him. He was here to lose. How hard could it possibly be to lose at ring toss? The rings were tiny, and the whole thing was probably rigged anyway. With a slight smirk set upon his lips, Doug tossed the first ring, half-heartedly aiming for the closest row of bottles. The red rubber ring nicked the side of the glass and skidded harmlessly into the dirt. There was a sound from deep in the throat of the ancient carnival worker. Doug couldn't place if it was meant to be approval or disappointment. Doug picked up the second ring. He waited in his hand a moment before looking back at the bottles. He was supposed to lose, but losing didn't mean totally being embarrassed, did it? There was losing, and then there was getting no points at all. And Doug wasn't the kind of guy who settled for no points at all. So with his second toss, Doug was a little more careful with his aim. Closing one of his eyes, he stuck his tongue out just a bit. After a moment, Doug let loose with the ring, aiming for the second row. The rubber ring wobbled in the air a bit, curving to the left of where Doug had aimed it. It twisted and came to rest between two bottles, stuck there for a moment before disappearing between the rows, out of sight. Another sound from the old man, this time clearly a chuckle, a slight rasping laugh that rattled around in the old man's windpipe before escaping his cracked lips. Doug's teeth clamped together when he heard the old man's laughter, Sure, it might seem like an easy task from where he's standing. Besides, wasn't Doug trying to lose? If he wanted to, he could get the 20 points with ease. 30 even. Hell, if he was aiming for it, Doug was sure he could get that bright orange bottle in the middle. The one with the ratty old monkey hanging over top. The old Carney was probably a century old, and had never seen anyone hit the orange bottle. If Doug did it, the guy would probably have a heart attack. If he wasn't too blind to see it. Doug squared his shoulders and set his sights on the bright orange bottle, doing his best to block out the grating sound of the old man's laughter. A slight smile slipped across Doug's lips as he sized up the orange bottle. The old man wouldn't have anything to laugh about soon enough. With a final breath, Doug let the ring fly. This time, there was no wobble, no curve. It sailed across the tent before coming down squarely on the neck of the bottle, red rubber hugging tightly to the orange painted glass. Doug straightened up. The sound of the old man's laughter hadn't stopped, although it had become faded, become more distant. Just a trace of it echoing off the pale walls of the cafeteria he found himself in once more. The room was almost as he had left it, empty Tigers chairs and empty tables. Hat. An but elephant in the corner in a biplane he hadn't noticed before. A pile of stuffed animals stacked up, with their glassy eyes looking his way. A tiger wearing a top hat. An elephant in a biplane. All of them won in carnival games he was just now remembering. And all of them with the same words stitched on them. I am a winner. Doug looked down at his hand, the one that clutched his latest prize. A chubby monkey wearing a blue striped shirt. A deep breath, he reached over and added it to the pile. When he turned away, he noticed something on the table behind him. An unsealed envelope sitting beside a folded letter. And Doug wondered, not for the first time, if maybe this wasn't purgatory after all.
1: We should take a moment to uh, interject in this conversation yes. and uh, discuss not Hollywood, but us and our sponsorship.
0: Yes, in fact, uh, we've got three wonderful sponsors who are helping us run a contest. And that contest was supposed to have ended uh, about a half a week ago, but because we're still waiting for more entries from people, we're extending it into March. And that contest involves people calling our ridiculous Gift of Gap Gift of Gab line, hang on that contest requires people to call our ridiculous Gift of Gab line, that's five zero nine two five two zero one eight five, and leave a message after the tone, telling us one of your most embarrassing stories the most embarrassing story will win a $200 iPod
1: and will be featured on the show, so be prepared for humiliation
4: Absolutely. in exchange
0: for
1: that iPod now the second
0: place winner Whose, whose story will probably also play on the show. Almost certainly. Yeah. we Will win uh, some Edmonton Journal swag as well as a couple of tickets to a Citadel play of their choice. Very nice. And our third place winner also will have their Ridiculous Story played on our show. And they will win a sexy time prize pack from the Traveling Tickle Trunk. Uh, so the first place prize was provided by our good friends at Guru, Guru Digital Arts College. Second one, thank you to Karen and the crew at the Edmonton Journal. And uh yeah, thanks to the Traveling trickle, Tickle Trunk for supplying us with a prize pack that will no doubt include lube.
2: <laughs> Always.
0: You know what guys, we missed a very important category. What did we miss? Sound editing. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, uh I have Tron the Legacy picked for that one. So <laughs> Okay, that's my pick.
0: <laughs> I think that's probably safe.
1: <laughs> um well, a uh, couple, couple other major ones, I guess. Um, directing, obviously, I'm going to give that to uh, to the King's Speech as well to Tom Hooper because generally, where the director goes, so too does Best Picture. Okay. Um, Anyone else disagree?
0: I picked Black Swan. Ah, oh. all right. I'm I'm going to go with uh, my hopes.
2: And with Black Swan is I don't know how to say his last name. His first name's Darren. He's it's russian sounding
0: <laughs> darren Aron- aronofsky yeah That's what it is. Aronofsky.
2: Uh, and the thing with him is i'm going to touch a little bit of gossip here just because while he was filming black swan his wife while well, Law wife left him who is rachel weiss um who's been in some great movies yeah uh and she is now hooked up with daniel craig who they are filming a movie together and uh it's just a whole big thing <laughs> And there's rumors that she's gonna be the next Bond girl, hmm. in Daniel Craig's next Bond movie, which is starts filming later this year.
1: Comes out next year, as I recall. I doesn't would uh, feel I like would a Bond girl to me.
3: No, no. She's I,
1: I love Rachel
3: Weisz, but I, that doesn't. She doesn't feel like a Bond girl. She doesn't I have like the the Barbie qualities that it
1: feels like a Bond girl would normally embody. Yeah, but this is the reinvented James Bond, the grittier, more realistic yeah. James Bond. So Admittedly, I have not seen. That's what they're kind of going, Craig for.
2: Bond. See the last James Bond, the Bond girls we're nothing special whereas you put rachel weiss and she has that accent she has the dark dark hair and if you've seen her in enemy at the gates she's pretty hot an enemy at the gates she could be but she knows how to shoot a gun yeah that is
0: one of my all-time favorite movies enemy at the gates if daniel craig told me to take my pants off and and didn't explain why i would probably do it for him but only because you're
1: intimidated by him (laughs) (laughs) yeah partly (laughs) Um, i feel like
0: he'd be holding a gun
1: (laughs) any uh how about writing I gave the Social Network Adapted Screenplay. That's going to be a bone that they'll throw them. I figure Aaron Sorkin will win his Oscar. And uh, obviously King's Speech I gave to Original. So.
2: i the same as you.
0: I don't know. I wonder if the Coen brothers are going to win anything this time around. Uh, I'm wondering if maybe True Grit might win for Adapted Screenplay. But maybe not since it's kind of a remake. Or it is exactly a remake. That is to say. So, I don't know. I, I'm not really sure on those. Uh, these these categories are always so iffy for me. I am, however, really choked to see that the soundtrack for Star Trek... Oh, wait, no. Star Trek was 2009. Yeah.
1: <laughs> You're that like two years too late. No, no <laughs>
0: fuck that. It should have been nominated again because it was so good. Anyway. Soundtracks, whatever. we okay. have
3: to wait Original until song?
0: 2012, I think. Ooh, that's a good
2: one, actually. Original, uh, you know, do we really want to see going at the Paltrow when a... Uh, Huster she for her she singing? won't
1: win, though, because she did not write the song nor did she score the music for it. She just sang it. So, uh, although she is going to be singing it at the Oscar telecast, she would not be up there accepting the award.
2: But still, the thought, you know, the I thought. actually <laughs> picked "Coming Home"
1: to win, so I think it'll be her song.
2: I picked "We Belong Together" from Toy Story.
1: Another Randy Newman. Exactly. He's he, a, he is a bride. He's always a bridesmaid, and it, but he actually has been a bride once. So he did finally win an Oscar eventually
0: I hope it's Toy Story 3 I like that song from Tangled but it's just a little too sappy for me I think I that's prefer... the only
1: Oscar Tangled was nominated I think so for too. which is surprising
0: is Probably. animated is animated feature film usually a three movie category or... no I seem to recall yeah, like it feels four like went last history. year it does doesn't it huh Tangled didn't even get nominated for that
1: well no and there I mean I can think of a couple other animated films that maybe could have been on the list like it's just it it seems like it's a really
2: maybe they were trying to save shallow ink. Field. I don't know.
1: Yeah, maybe. Maybe everybody know. in the academy <laughs> voted on only those 3 and that's why they were the only ones nominated. That could be. It's possible. It's possible.
0: That's kind of it, isn't it?
1: Not entirely. What about uh, what about the um the kind of pageantry that surrounds the Oscars? We didn't really touch on this with Dave Barry last year cuz he's not a an expert on celebrities or celebrity fashion. But we do have Ashley here. And people go all out and dress up for the Oscars in ways that the four of us combined would not be able to afford. This is true. And it's just for one night. So uh, who who are your... Who do you think are going to be the best-dressed people at the Oscars this year? And who do you think are going to be the worst-dressed people at the Oscars this year?
2: Well... Speaking of affording, you realize everything they have is borrowed, <laughs> so we probably could if we asked somebody. We if could, we were
0: famous <laughs> enough.
2: Yeah, right? we could borrow something. Um, best dressed. So the Oscars are always interesting because you'll go through the award season, whoever wins best actress usually looks so stunning at the Golden Globes, the SAG Awards, the BAFTAs, or whatever, and then you get to the Oscars, and sometimes you go, what were you thinking? <laughs> what? Like Sandra Bullock last year, she looked great all award season, and then she won an Oscar, and you're kind of like, what did you choose? Why are you wearing that? Charlize Theron looked a bit like a zombie. We were talking about this the other day when she won her best Oscar. Um, Nicole came in both times. Look, looks great always. And then she won her Oscars, and it's just like, w-
0: <laughs> you're high,
1: you Nicole. Didn't really Kidman. try this. Yeah. Maybe no. they're all
0: sensing a
3: trend there and be like, well, I'll just wear an ugly dress because those are the ones that seem to win this. <laughs> so, what I'm <laughs> looking Oscars forward anyway. to,
2: I'm looking forward to seeing Natalie Portman um, because, again, I think she's going to win Best Actress. So, that's going to play into it. And she's pregnant. And she's heavily pregnant now. She that's is true. due in a few weeks. So, she's going to have to do maternity chic. Something very flattering, comfortable. I'm hoping she's going to go be. for
3: the j
4: dress.
2: <laughs> but something uh, out there. Um, other, Again, Sandra Bullock will be presenting this year. She won last year, she, so she'll be presenting. It'll be interesting to see. She was wearing at the Golden Globes. She dressed a little bit young for her age, I think. Really? Um, Nicole Kidman, again, one of my favorites. I believe she is also presenting as well as nominated, so it'll be nice to see what she's wearing. Kate um, Blanchett presenting an Oscar. She always looks nice. I think she's one of the exceptions. When she won for the Queen, her, or not the, um, what is it? Not the Queen. No, I can't think of the name of the movie. Um, Elizabeth, that's what I'm thinking. She looks stunning. So she's an exception to the rule. Um, and Holly Berry never ceases to amaze. I think some men with the outfits she chooses when she won the best Oscar. It was the sheer top and the great big skirt. Again, not her best
0: look ever. I'll tell you who won't be dressed nicely. Helena Bonham Carter.
2: Ah, I have to argue with you there.
0: Really? She looked like ass at the Golden Globes. She looked like a fucking nuclear bomb had hit her closet (laughs) and she was standing (laughs) next to it.
2: See, the thing with her is she... Yeah, she looks like a train wreck most of the time. (laughs) I'm not going to argue with you. Uh when she she cleans up she has a very quirky style it's very much her own style i think it's very british it's very vivian westwood Mm. uh and the thing with that is i think she even wore to the baftas last week i think she wore vivian westwood which explains a lot but she was named last year one of the best dressed stars in hollywood really yeah
0: no one well her closet's busted because i saw her at the globes and she was just terrible
2: That's just, that's her style, though. Yeah,
0: I suppose so. And I mean, ha- at least it's unique, right? It stands out from. And many you have others. to
2: think about the name of the clothes that she's wearing. They're very high end couture clothes that not a lot of women could pull off in Hollywood.
1: Mm-hmm. The Oscars telecast, the actual show itself. We've got uh, Anne Hathaway and James Franco, who are hosting this year. Thoughts on that duo? Do you think that they'll be humorous or entertaining or engaging or fall absolutely flat on their asses based on all the promos I've seen for it it's going to be terrible because none
3: of those promos are funny in any way whatsoever I like I like James Franco a lot and he does a lot of funny things on uh, funny or die I believe he's been on a lot or whatever but
0: I don't know about Anne Hathaway she's kind of boring yeah I'm not really sure I don't know they're going to do a joke about him sawing off a limb though for sure
3: Right. I... I would like to see them make that funny If they manage to pull that off and make it funny I'll be like, bravo you know, I'm going to tell you guys
0: something The best hosted Oscars I ever saw Or that I remember the most Was when Billy Crystal hosted it And it was the year of City Slickers And they did all that shit Between him and Jack Palance It was so funny
1: My favorite Oscars in recent memory Was Hugh Jackman as a matter of fact, because he is very entertaining. He's he's hosted the Tonys a number of times. And
0: he's a great singer.
1: Because, and yeah, Yeah. and the reason he's hosted the Tonys a number of times is because he's a very good entertainer. And you don't really kind of picture him in that role because of the kind of Hollywood movies you see him in. But I thought he was very good.
2: Mm -hmm. I was watching the video online the other day. I love him singing Top Hat. That's just one of my all time. I get goosebumps when he sings Top Hat and the dancing and all. Oh, Just, I love it. He was great. I, enjoy I think him.
1: they should have Hugh Jackman back.
2: I do. I also enjoy Billy Crystal. He was always funny. Steve Martin, he was funny as well.
1: He was not as good with Alec Baldwin. Wait, Alec Baldwin, See, Alec Baldwin no, is funny, well. but he was just not on his game last Oscars. You
0: should just stick to being Jack Donaghy on 30 Rock. That's working for him. Let's let's not pretend we're something we're not here. I, just, I didn't really enjoy that very much. No.
2: Um. I don't think that this is going to go well <laughs> this year. No, you don't think no, so? No, I don't think so. I like James Franco. Uh, he's funny and he's a good actor. You know, way to go Spider-Man. <laughs> um, Anne Hathaway annoys me. I liked her in The Devil Wears Prada but anything else, she just bothers me she's so yeah. much. And going back to Hugh Jackman, she did um, a couple of skits with Hugh Jackman during that Oscars telecast, and I, w- I think I wanted to shoot my television because <laughs> I just can't stand her.
0: Uh, she's supposed to be Catwoman, right? Correct, yeah. Yep. That
1: I'm that willing to give interest, it the benefit of the that doubt. That was an interesting choice. But anyway, just, just the other two, the other two were good enough that I'm willing to give the third one the benefit of the doubt. Okay, that's fair. Yes. Okay, so... Oscar's telecast were expecting to be not great. Less than stellar boring this year as usual. A um, celebrity here's here's
6: a, I don't think here's it's a boring. question.
1: Here's Just a question. Badly though. hosted. Um the last couple of years they've had the uh the present the presentations for best acting awards, uh, actress and actor. They've had a number of prior winners or whatnot come out and each individually name one of the uh the nominees. Um Do you think they're going to stick with that trend this year, or are they going to go back to kind of the more condensed version?
0: I liked that, actually. I thought it was a cool way to do it. It was very different. I don't know if I'll feel the same about it if they do it this year. It might be annoying. But uh, I thought it was a really cool way to to show the nominees. I didn't like it. No?
2: No.
1: I would have liked it better if they... would gotten people who actually knew the people they were talking about. Because there, there were there were some where they yeah, did and it right. was obvious they did and they kind of had a rapport and they were talking in glowing turns about someone that they that they respected and that they are friends with and they like. And there were a couple where it was like, I don't know this person and I'm reading basically off of a cue card right now and I may yeah. have even mispronounced their last name. And it was like, really? You went you went and did it right with that guy and then literally the next guy in the line screws it up.
0: Really? You know, come to think of it, one of the things that I didn't like about it is that the, the the picks for people that that were talking about certain things did seem just so random and just weird. So Like Oprah? Yeah, like what the hell was that? <laughs> and Sam Jackson was, was there a particular reason why he was doing it? Because um, he looks awesome other than that.
2: Because he is a cool motherfucker. Yeah, I, he? <laughs> that's
0: right. Exactly. But Yeah, I I don't know. I I think I'd kind of like to see it again. Maybe they can uh, refine what they were trying to do. I don't know.
2: I re-saw that when they're doing their This Is Who We Lost this year in Hollywood, Celine Dion will be singing live to that.
7: Oh,
1: good. (laughs) (laughs) Now, uh, there was some controversy with that segment uh, last year. And uh, my friends and I actually look forward to that segment, the Oscar telecast, because we... I don't know, it's not even like a morbid thing. We just have tremendous respect for a lot of the people who happen to have passed away. And we were surprised by some of the omissions from last year and apparently we weren't the only ones. And we were also very surprised that Michael Jackson was in uh, The March of the Dead, despite not being really an actor and also being picked over say like B. Arthur, who was in an Oscar nominated film. Mm-hmm. And Farrah Fawcett. Yeah. <laughs> But the argument being that well they're known for television. Well Michael Jackson is known for music, so just saying, Just putting that yeah, out there. I
3: don't know. Wasn't he, didn't he have a movie Captain EO or something like that?
0: Possibly.
2: Oh, yeah. and uh, the Wizard of Oz movie, not the actual Wizard of Oz, wasn't it? Oz, something like that. Yeah.
1: But again, B. Arthur and Farrah Fawcett were also in movies. Yeah. Just I don't know. Saying.
0: Don't know. Hopefully they have their shit together this year. Yeah. So they can avoid that
1: kind of nonsense.
2: But did anybody, uh, I mean, lots of people died this year, but is anybody going to notice someone not making it in this year? Was there I'm going anybody to compile a list.
1: I'm going to compile a list of all of the Hollywood people, and I'm going to tick off names. I will and bet I'm going to see
4: who was As long as Leslie Nielsen, not, yeah. you know?
0: Yes. I will bet you anything Wikipedia has already done such a thing. Probably. I bet you it has. Okay. That's probably where the, uh, the Academy gets its list
1: from. Now you know, this, this is already <laughs> going <laughs> on our, like, longest show in recent memory true. because we love talking about movies and we have some fantastic guests but all good things need to eventually start to wrap up so i think yes, it's that's time how we do it isn't it i think it's time for your favorite part of the show you mean the fast 16 yes which is so named because of course we have two guests so, we add an additional question so that it's a little more even.
0: Yeah. So, um, Greg, you've listened to the show before. Yes. Oh, really? I mean, <laughs> I was listening we to it today. This for two years, and I think one person <laughs> ever has what? said yes. Yeah. I and mean, in fact, it was our last <laughs> guest. Um, so, you know what? I'm not going to ask that question. I'm going to say, so here's how it works I'm going to ask you each alternating question. I'm going to start with Ashley, then go to Greg. Ashley, Greg, vice versa. Uh, just answer as quickly as you can, whatever comes to mind, and at the end, you'll each be asked two wildcard questions that I have tailored specifically to you. <laughs> okay? <'Kay. clears throat> um,
3: Will I take my pants off? Yes.
0: I hope so. So here <laughs> we go. The Fast 16 with Ashley Weeb and Greg Beaver. Ashley, number one, your favorite food? Ice cream. Greg, your favorite color? Uh, blue. Ashley, Mac, PC, or Linux?
2: I don't care. I have some of each. <laughs>
0: Fair enough. Uh Greg, dogs or cats? Oh jeez, dogs. Ashley, coffee or tea? Tea. Greg, your favorite holiday? Uh Christmas because it's also my birthday. <laughs> no way. Yes. You are the risen lord. And I am. Uh Ashley, your favorite sport? Hockey. Greg, past your favorite pastime? Uh movies. Ashley, your favorite music right now?
2: Um, big fan of Adele right now.
0: Mm, okay. Uh, Greg, Star Wars or Star Trek? I'll have to go with Star Trek. Right on. <laughs> Ashley, your favorite video game?
2: The original Mario. Awesome.
0: <laughs> Greg, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? Uh, I think that I would like to be able to turn invisible. Great answer. And now we're on to our wild card questions, starting with Ashley... What's your favorite screwball comedy?
2: Um, I have no idea. No? That's, that's a tough question.
0: The reason I, I thought of this one uh, earlier today, but it was, I felt like it was sort of uh, um, brought back to my mind when we started talking about there's something about Mary. Because I would argue that's a bit of a screwball comedy. Anything where jizz winds up in someone's hair, for sure a screwball comedy.
2: Maybe... I don't know, uh, National Lampoon's Family Vacation. Sure. Or, oh, uh...
1: Spaceballs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to interject there. There is a TELUS commercial airing right now which has the Spaceballs theme song just as its music. Oh, really? Like, unabashedly so. I heard it the first time and I was like, what? And it has, it, apropos of nothing to do with Spaceballs, like two lion cubs watching like a 3D screen and Spaceballs music in the background. And I was like, really? That's odd. That's very, very odd strange. Choice. You were about to give an answer.
2: Yeah, I was going to say The Burbs. That's an old... That is
0: an old one that I've recently become reacquainted with because of Netflix and how there's nothing else to watch on Netflix. Oh,
2: okay. No, screwball comedy, and I'm going to get laughed at, and people are going to think I'm a complete retard. Spice World.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I never saw Spice World. It's kind of a screwball
3: comedy. I have the
2: DVD. (laughs) You can borrow it. I will,
3: I will. We put that in for 15 minutes, and I
1: couldn't couldn't hack it. Really? I'm going to say that Josie and the Pussycats I love that was movie. also surprisingly good.
0: Yeah, really enjoyed that movie. Actually, Brittany LeBlanc got me to watch that, and uh, I, yeah, really enjoyed it.
1: Uh, Greg, wildcard
0: number two, your favorite romantic comedy? Hmm. Try to pick categories that were just weird. I, I consider rom-com. See, and she's the rom-com, rom-com person, but and he's why, the screwball comedy person. Up. That's yeah. why I switched a good it good call. My life now. I think, actually,
3: um, The Breakup, with oh. uh, Jennifer Aniston and, and Vince Vaughn.
1: Really? I really, I really. It was kind movie. of like an inverted rom-com. Yeah, because uh, they, because it's not about a relationship hilariously coming together. It's about a relationship hilariously falling apart. Nice. And then it gets dark. Yeah. And then yeah. it has a happy ending, sort of. <laughs> True. It was kind of a weird movie in, to in watch, in the way
3: that most relationships that break up have a happy ending eventually, right? You eventually sort of come to terms with it, sure. And whatever, it, yeah, it had a very re- like a raw
0: feel to it for as far as, far as like a, a rom com went. Yeah. Now, Ashley, we we talked about uh, who we didn't like, uh, and I had this question again, but I'm wondering if there are any female actors that you just can't stand, your most hated actress.
2: Hmm. Um. Well, as mentioned, I don't really like Anne Hathaway. Yeah. And I'm sure that there is someone else that I just won't watch in anything. But to think of the person now.
0: Well, if it comes to you. Yeah, come back you have to, to think it. Think about that. Greg, who would you say this is your last wild card question? Is one of the most underrated actors out there today. Hmm.
3: I am going to go with Nathan Fillion. Actually. Really. I feel like is it just because he's the Edmonton boy? <laughs> no, I'm not doing a local thing. I I I really think that Nathan Fillion's got uh, more range than most people would have sort of give him credit for, and it, I would like to I would like to see
0: him in feature films. I would too, but I don't know if I agree with you about him being underrated. I think he needs to prove that first. I feel like the character he plays on Castle is a little too close to Malcolm Reynolds in some quirky ways, but um i don't know anyway that's a great answer (laughs) even though i just tore it to pieces (laughs)
1: and uh that brings us to the end of our show indeed thank you ashley thank you for finally making it on the show
2: yes hopefully we'll do it again i hope so
1: too and g-ho g-ho peace you got a nickname that's great you've been listening to the unknown studio episode 43 our guests ashley weeb and greg beaver production by adam rosenhart post production by scott c bourgeois the unknown studio is a proud member of the league of extraordinary media you can visit us on the web at the thanks for listening
0: We've talked about three of them: Tom Cruise, Christian Bale, and Ashton Kutcher. Who's who do you hate the most? By the way, I'm just gonna. Oh, this is a tough question. <laughs> this
2: is a tough question. There's a lot of people I
4: hate.
0: Uh, who do I hate? I think I, I think I hate. I hate Tom Cruise. Ashton Kutcher is benign. Christian Bale is not that hateable, and Tom Cruise is an obnoxious douche. <laughs> and that's, that's all I have to say about that.
2: I hate Tom Cruise the most, too. Um, for, for quite a few reasons, too. Not only is he crazy. Um, <laughs> mom. <laughs> long time ago, my dad told my mom he thinks he looks like Tom Cruise. And I hate my dad. <laughs> just putting <laughs> that out there. He is he's a little crazy mental as well. So it's a dad um, issue, part. It's part, yeah. It's a daddy issue.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so that has a lot to do with it. The thing that is the worst though is I love Top Gun, and yeah. that's the only thing I can forgive him for. Is I love Top Gun. My roommate and I, we're Maverick and Iceman. <laughs> I'm Maverick, so I kind of have to just pretend that 1986 he was a perfectly normal human being and.
0: Something happened. He drank something and changed forever after Top Gun. Exactly. Okay, fair enough.
2: The altitude got to him. <laughs> yeah, that's what it
3: is. Greg, oh, I don't know if I really hate any of them. Then like, uh, Tom Cruise, I guess he's the one. He's He'd, the one he he I, I, uh, I. Well, if I would go by the the person that I would be least likely to go see their movies, it would be Ashton Kutcher, hands down.
0: Yeah. Like,
3: yeah. Yeah. I mean,
0: the Butterfly Effect.
3: It sucks. Mm. I don't. I don't care for any of the comedies that he's
0: ever been in. Dude, where's my car? Yeah, it's also, a movie I have not seen because it probably sucks. It has the word "dude" in the title. In the title,
1: it's terrible. Scott, who do you hate? Of those three? Of
0: those three? If I not have in to this pick, room.
1: If I have to pick up those three, I'm gonna have to go Tom Cruise as
0: well. Wow, unanimous dislike for the craziest band in show business.
1: That's a great tagline I don't know if he's necessarily the craziest, but he's definitely in the top three. And I'd be hard-pressed to think of somebody more crazy than him. But it's possible. Current crazy. Because, I mean, like, Marlon Brando was crazy. Yes, he was actually a lunatic. So, uh... What about Gary Busey? Well, he he suffered brain damage in a motorcycle accident. (laughs) Did he? Yeah, and that's why he is more crazy now than he was before.
0: (laughs) Uh just as an aside he he has one of my favorite lines in all of film history in point break gary Busey says i'm so hungry i could eat the ass end out of a dead rhino i should have had you give me three of these things and i think that is the funniest thing i've ever heard because it paints such a wonderful picture